1: You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's Season 2. It's Episode 35, Cubs Stall versus the Cardinals. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast and to follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Of course, you can email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, how the heck are you on this Thursday afternoon?
2: Well, I ne- really needed yesterday's game to get the bad taste out of my mouth. I was pretty pretty fuming on uh, Wednesday morning, so I'm feeling better a little bit after a big victory and a day off. I- I've gotten a chance to recalibrate.
1: Yeah, the uh, good times were rolling over at Wrigley Field in game number three on Wednesday night, but let's, uh, let's get after it. Let's get into game number one. We've got uh, Wilson Contreras returning to Wrigley Field, and the Cubs had Marcus Stroman on the bump.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I kind of warned our podcast listeners that Miles Michaelis always kind of gave the Cubs trouble. The Cubs lost this one three to one. Couple notes that I made right here: another wasted quality start by Marcus Stroman. He went six innings, four gave up four hits, two runs, one walk, with six Ks. So seven quality starts out of eight games, and uh, he has only two wins to show and three losses. So he was charged with the loss for this one. So. You know, we, we talk about um, Justin Steele, and rightfully so, and make it an all-star, but Strowman's right there in the conversation to be an all-star. Just the wins aren't there.
1: Wins aren't there, and this is a, a case for those that um, are in the wins don't matter for starting pitchers. This is where this all comes from. Um, I still think they matter, but uh, he has definitely been the victim of some uh, tough no decisions and tough losses.
2: And the Cubs have been struggling as of lately, and and the reason we know it is not scoring with runners in scoring position. We've brought that up plenty of times. It hurts the bullpen, hurts everything. The Cubs scored one run on five hits. You aren't going to score win many games scoring one run. We've said that no, many a times. time. never, never, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. Occasionally never. you'll get the old one-nothing win, but they're, they're feeling far know. between. I don't I, I mean, know. I, if we went
1: digging, Crowley, if we went digging right now through the every game that's been played in baseball this year, I would I would I would bet there are less than three one nothing games so far this year in all of baseball.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot. It doesn't happen. You're not gonna win very often. They were one for seven with runners in scoring position. They left nine men on base. To make matters worse, one of the Cubs best hitters, leadoff man Nico Horner, was pulled in the fifth with what the Cubs are saying was hamstring tightness. And so here I am. We'll talk more about this in segment three. But it was reported during the day that Christopher Morrell showed up to Chicago. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, Nico's gone. Let's, let, let's get Morrell in here. But who does he call to replace him? Nick Madrigal, who went over to the rest of the day. So Nico injured himself when the Cubs had their best opportunity to get some runs with runners at second and third uh, after a Swanson double. Uh, tied the game at 1-1. Ian Happ walked to load the bases. Cody Bellinger hit a ball to short right field that Brandon Donovan caught and then threw out Nick Madrigal at home by a mile. So you got to wonder, Dustin, with the way the offense has been struggling, you know how much does that get into Willie Harris's head to send the runner?
1: Yeah, I mean they, they they needed something, right? They needed a an ignition. They needed a they needed something to happen. And and he, Willie Harris, I like the guy a ton. I love his energy, but he is a little bit aggressive but I believe David Ross is 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 a little bit aggressive as well so I don't I think I think they walk uh, lockstep in being aggressive on the base pass especially when the rispy is not going in your favor
2: yeah well Ross had a chance to get Morell into the game in the ninth but he decided to use Eric Hosmer as a pinch hitter for some reason but that
1: was where that was where I really scratched my head
2: Yeah, I was dropping some uh, inappropriate language at Wrigley Field on that night. Um, Wilson Contreras' revenge game, reeling at the fact that he lost his catching duties. Contreras got a mix of cheers and boos during his intro, more cheers during the video montage the Cubs put together for him. But when he came up to the plate the first time, he got boos. He led off with the second with a single and came around to score on a Dylan Carlson single. In the top of the fourth he grounded out to short on an amazing play densby swanson blows my mind he, that ball that contreras hit to him was hit 117 miles per hour off the bat that was the fourth hardest ball in play this season in the majors then in the sixth inning wilson crushed the ball to center field that scored lars newt to make it two to one and then in the top of the eighth with one out contreras grounded into a force out they had runners at first and third, and he grounded into a four star. It goes to Patrick Wisdom, who had a brain fart. Rather than starting the double play right away, he looked home, double clutched, and this allowed Wilson to beat the double play uh, to and keep the inning alive and allow the run to score. So Wilson was involved in all three of the Cardinals runs, and the boos got louder with every at bat, every play he made, and then he starts encouraging the Wrigley faithful to boo louder. And then after the game, Wilson said there were a couple of people booing me and I just love that when you get booed (laughs) that means you're doing something right the boos were kind of an extra boost I got there at the same time as I was doing the hand gestures I saw my teammates really respond to it so I decided to keep doing it I did not boo Wilson and and here's the thing he is a guy that loves that stuff why would you get him more fired up yeah,
1: it's hard. I understand. I, I probably by the second time I would have booed. I don't think I would have booed him on the first at bat. I would not have booed him during the video tribute. But I think by the second and third at bat, after a couple of beer bats, Crawley, I, I would have been, uh, I would have been booing too. Um, and again, you know, maybe just maybe Cubs score more
2: than one run. Well, here's the thing, Dustin. You remember last season when Javi Baez came to the south side and they were booing the crap on him. Guy couldn't hit. They start booing him and he starts going off.
1: Those were the best games he had. Those were the best games he had were over 35th and Shields.
2: The left field bleacher bums had it right by opening up the newspapers and just looking down at the newspaper when he came up to bat. Do not – he thrives on on that kind of stuff, and and we just – and people fell right into it. Now, I do have to say, in all honesty, um, before the game – Wilson talked to the media and Megan Montemoreau, you know, you know, he talked about, even though I'm wearing a different uniform, I really thankful for the fan base talking about the Cub fans. He also said having support from them means a lot to me. If there's something in the past that uh, got in some people's feelings, I really apologize. I would never say something against the Chicago Cubs or anything against the fan base.
1: Yeah, I mean, he said all the right things. He he did. He acted the right way. I thought the Cubs did a nice job with that video tribute. What did you think?
2: Yeah, I thought everything was great. And I'm I, listen. I wish people would just understand that Wilson wanted to stay, and Man, that he and wanted to I, stay. And
1: they they didn't want him probably for the same reasons. Now that we realize that St. Louis doesn't want him squatting behind home plate anymore, at least not right, right this second. Right. So, so I, this really was like the catcher series, Crowley. This this whole series that we're going to talk about is is uh, is catcher related with Wilson Contreras and Jan Gomes not being there. And then maybe Jan Gomes comes back and yeah, listen, it's going to remain a thing. Uh, Maybe not. What what do you think? The next time they come to town, is this even a thing?
2: I'm sure it's still going to be a thing for some people. And I hope it's not because the Cubs don't win the world series without Wilson Contreras gave us a lot of great memories. And again, he wanted to be here. What was he supposed to do? You know, I mean, and people said, well, he tried on a uniform, a Cardinals jersey when he was still with the Cubs. Yeah, after they tried desperately to trade him and tell him he's not coming back. What is he supposed to do? I mean, Jesus. So, you know, either way, we get to game two, and that's Jamison Tyone versus Jack Flaherty. The Cubs lose six to four. Jamison Jamison Tyone is not back. You know, I, I will tell you this, okay? Uh, Jamison Tyone's not back to where he should be. Um, he went 2.2 innings. He gave up five hits, four runs, two home runs, loaded the bases in the third, and then walked in a run to end his day. So the Cubs decided he didn't need rehab starts in uh, Iowa or anything like that. So expect Tyone to struggle for a couple more starts. I don't see that changing. Uh, he walked in a run, like I said, to end the day. And then Julian Merriweather came in and walked in another run. So you gave uh, the Cardinals two free runs. And you lost by two. Uh, one good thing that I do have to say that came out of this from the pitching standpoint. Wait a minute. Wait,
1: can we go back to something really quick? Can we yep. go back to something really quick? Why Merriweather in that spot? I mean, we got an answer. We got an answer from Tommy Hadovy. But right. that doesn't mean I have to be satisfied with the answer. Uh, you know, because they wanted Assad to come in in a clean inning. Right. Um, I
2: don't, here's, here's the thing, Dustin. I, I agree Mer- with
1: Merriweather's you. been hot garbage. Right. And Meriwether, Meriwether hasn't done a thing yet.
2: So Meriwether reminds me a hell of a lot of Dylan Maples in a way that some of his stuff is so good. And it's exactly what you need in that situation. A guy that throws straight heat. But the trouble, just like with Dylan Maples, is that when sometimes he just completely loses it and it's a mess. And that's kind of the issue that you have. And so I get the concept. The, the The player didn't execute. I don't blame David Ross for that one. I have different bones to pick with David Ross. That one wasn't one of them. I will <laughs> we've say all got
1: that, our own. We've all got our own little thing <laughs> to pick at with him right now.
2: <laughs> well, the good news, though, like you said, Javier Assad is looking more and more like Ooh, the pitcher we saw in good. spring wow, training. Wow,
1: did he look nice in that game?
2: Yep. And and in the WBC and less like the pitcher that struggled in April. He shut down the Cardinals and allowed the Cubs to get back into this one until David Ross made another poor managerial decision. Assad comes into the game in the fourth. He pitches five scoreless innings. He gives up only one hit and two walks. But by the end of the eighth, he had thrown a ton of pitches and he's running out of gas. And and Ross just rolled the dice to see what would happen in the ninth. And And Assad gave up a homer, a triple, a double, and a strikeout before getting pulled. Damage is done, Cubs lose. But there's no way Assad should have come out in the ninth. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure why he was back out there. I, I mean, they they wanted to say, well, he's been stretched out enough that that's not a the workload wasn't too much. They tried to pull that, but it's like he had done the job. Like he had you. I think you at that point you had gotten everything out of him that you could possibly that you could possibly get. I, I just think that was a uh, I think that was a big error.
2: I will, so that got me mad. The other thing that got me mad, this is before the game even starts. I sit there and here comes at Cubs to show me the starting lineup. You got Magical Swanson, Hap Bellinger, Suzuki, and then Hosmer, Mervis, Morrell, Amaya. We're gonna talk more about Hosmer, but why the hell is he batting so high up? It makes no no sense.
1: No idea. I I don't, I I, I don't, I don't understand it. I know we're going to get to Suzuki at some point too. I don't know why Suzuki is batting fourth or fifth every day. I don't know if that was promised or something, but he should not be batting fourth or fifth.
2: Well, let's, let's look at a couple of things here. Number one, when you look at that lineup, magical is at second base or magical's at third base and and, third third, and, and, um, and you got Morel at second, but Morel's or magical's natural position is second and Morrell's is it third? That's where you see the future for Morrell. Right. So, but now I wow. will I will agree with you.
1: When, when that happened, and I w- I probably was looking at the same tweet you were looking at, or I retweeted it, or you retweeted at it. We we saw each other's retweet. However it worked out, I had the same reaction as you had. But as the game played on, Crowley, as the game played on, I think that Madrigal and Morrell made plays at third and second that the other guy would not have made. I don't think Madrigal turns that double play. I don't think he does. And I don't know if if, if uh Morell makes that stop that Madrigal did earlier. Okay. Now, the other thing is, is that what it says to me is that they're not going to keep Madrigal. They're going to keep Madrigal up here. They're not keeping Morell up here very long.
2: Well so see what happens, they don't but... they
1: they want they know here's the thing you know. Nico Horner's coming back. He might be coming back on Friday, but I guarantee he's going to play in Minneapolis at some point. When he comes back, what's he going to play? Second base, right? So Mag- they, Magical has been playing much better, I'll raise my hand, than I ever thought he could at third base. I, I, I did not think so. They don't want to get him out of rhythm, but then they end up do doing that in game three. We can get to that in a minute. Um, and he had a nice play over there. But I understand after letting it, sit and sink, but I had the same reaction as you. I did not like it when I first saw it, but I think that's the explanation for it.
2: I guess. I, I think I think in the future you're looking at Chris Morrell as being your everyday third baseman. And Absolutely. Case, but I just, started, I just don't know that the future is now.
1: I just don't know that the future is now.
2: Might be. I'm I'm looking what this kid's doing here right now. Ian Happ walked three times. Magical was two for four. Good game for him. And Chris Morell was two for four with a home run that tied the game at four. And that's the energy that he brings. Absolutely
1: awesome. But he lights up Wrigley Field. I mean, he just lights it up.
2: More than the LEDs. And Dansby Swanson (laughs) had a great game, hitting two doubles and another basket homer. But runners in scoring position, and this is an issue that's getting out of control, the Cubs scored four runs on nine hits, going one for seven with run in scoring position and leaving nine men on base. Get this, Dustin. The Cardinals walked seven Cubs hitters and plunked another. Eight free base runners. And none of them scored. Not a that's one. It's inexcusable.
1: It's unexcusable. We were talking about it all week on Mully and Haw. You can't have that. They, they, they should never. They should have. They should have easily taken two out of three, maybe even all three games in this series. This was, thank goodness Wednesday. Thank goodness game three happens, Crowley, because game two, boy, oh boy.
2: Well, it happened because of three double plays, Magical, Suzuki, and Hosmer. Twice the Cubs had the bases loaded and couldn't score a run. First time was when the Cubs loaded the base with one out for Eric Hosmer, who proceeded to ground into a double play to end the threat and get Flaherty off the hook. And Sayo Suzuki with the bases loaded in two outs, flied one to the warning track that just missed. You talked a little bit about. Now, Crowley, Seiya. Hold on,
1: was it that? Was it that at bat, or was it the one before when Saya didn't know what the strike, the the the, the uh, what was going on with balls and strikes? He gets a ball three. He takes off his arm guard and his shin guard. and He goes. St- and it's like, wait a minute. And I looked at the TV. I go, wait a minute. It's not ball four. It's only ball three. And then the ump's like, uh, excuse me, we're not done yet. I mean, that's yeah. embar- that's embarrassing. That's somebody that's not locked in. You cannot be a Major League Baseball player and not know what the count is when you're up to bat. And react as quickly as he did.
2: What I will tell you about Saya is this, and, and I, I, I truly believe that he is going to be an integral part of this team. And you know how they used to say with Dexter Fowler, go Hugo go. I think when Saya has a good game, they're going to have a good game and they're going to need him. Keep in mind, he didn't have a spring training. He didn't spend a lot of time in Iowa. He's about a month behind. And so I have a feeling he's going to start warming up. And I have a feeling that when you take a look at May and June, he's going to have a big month.
1: Hope so, Crowley. I, I really hope so. Now, he, we're going to get into game three in a second. He had a much better game three, but I, I, I don't think he bats higher than six for me.
2: Yeah, I could see fifth, sixth, somewhere around there would be fine. I have no problem with that. Uh, game three, Justin Seal versus Jordan Montgomery. The Cubs win 10-4. to Came out that it was really Adam Wainwright and Jordan Montgomery who had some problems with Wilson. But, hey, you know, Wilson wasn't buying the plate in this one, Jordan. Steele went six innings pitch, seven hits, three earned runs, three walks, and three Ks. Earned his sixth win of the season to improve to 6-0. He's only one of three players with at least six wins this season in all of MLB. He completed six innings or more in seven of his eight starts so far and has seven quality starts tied for the most in the majors. Unfortunately, that streak he had of two or few earned runs allowed in each of his last 14 starts was snapped. That tied the Cubs franchise record with Jake Arrieta. So that's over with the three runs. But Cody Bellinger, and we're going to talk about him in segment three, he did everything he could to keep that streak alive. When Lars Newpart singled the center and the Cardinals sent Juan Yepes home, and Bellinger threw a, a, an amazing throw that gets to Jan Gomes, who was activated before the game. And they missed him by an eyelash, to uh, throwing him yeah. out from center. Real I, close.
1: I, in real time, in real time, I thought he got him. In real I time, I thought he got him when they reviewed it. And I'm like, oh, review that, review that. And he, he clearly didn't get him. But in real time, I thought he got him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The offense finally returns down 2-0 after another Wilson Contreras RBI The Cubs answered back with uh, back-to-back doubles in the third by Swanson and Suzuki to put the Cubs on the board two to one. Then Patrick Wisdom crushed his MLB-high tying 12th home run of the year, and the Cubs led for the first time the entire series. It took him the third inning to the third game to get a lead, and after that the floodgates opened. The Cubs finished with 10 runs on 14 hits. Everyone other than Nick Magical had at least one hit. There were seven extra base hits, including the one by Wisdom and one. Uh, there was a home run by uh, Wisdom and one by Jan Gomes. Swanson had two doubles, and Suzuki, Happ, and Morel each hit one. How about this one, Dustin? The Cubs were six for 14 with runners in scoring position.
1: Yep, that that that'll work, Crowley. That will work. Did you see the stat on uh, Swanson as well? What he did? How he, he tied Ernie Banks? Did you see yeah, that stat? For- for Pretty extra cool. base hits
2: yeah, yeah just 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 a great weekend for six him. extra base hits in a series yeah phenomenal and so here's the thing though dustin as we kind of take a look at you know how this season has come it's kind of been a tale of two seasons and it really has to do with that near perfect game that drew smiley threw. there was everything before and everything after that okay so if you take a look at the numbers The Cubs are getting on base. They're really good at getting on base. They've they've reached via walk, hit, or hit by pitch 474 times this season. Okay, Fourth most among all of baseball, trailing only Tampa Bay and Atlanta and Boston. Three very good teams. They also, though, Dustin, lead the majors with 273 left on base. The Cubs' 378 uh, plate appearances with runners in scoring position are the most in the NL and fourth in the majors. But the Cubs are last, in in the last 17 games, I told you since April 22nd, the Cubs have hit 189 with runners in scoring position, 27 for 143. No good.
1: No, that will, uh, if you just pick it up a little bit, if you just pick it up a little bit, they could be very competitive in this weak-ass division. That the National League
2: Central is. They're still yeah, they're still right in this. And 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 but I told you about that game with Drew Smiley, right? When through April twenty first, the club was hitting 326, 383, 46 with runners in scoring position. Now that's not really sustainable. That's really hard, right? Right. That's I mean that's smoking.
1: Right. That's smoking hot.
2: But then between April twenty second and Tuesday night, the Cubs slashed one eighty nine, three hundred, two fifty two with runners in scoring position. So I mean And it's it, almost it, hard to be that bad, Crowley. So somewhere in the middle, right? Right, exactly. We get somewhere in the middle. You take a look at the Cubs' run differential. It looks like the Cubs should easily be first place in the division. But like I said, they get one of these games where they blow it open and score 10, 12 runs, and then the next three or four games, they're deci- they're one-run decisions.
1: Yeah, and this is a great stat you have here, Crowley. The Cubs' last 10 setbacks since April 26 have been by three or fewer runs. You know, split that in half, right? Maybe if you go 5-5 five and five in those games instead of 10 losses –
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member of
1: You are listening to Season 2, Episode 35 of the Fly the W Podcast. Cubs stalling versus the St. Louis Cardinals. In this inter- in this segment of the show, Crawley interviews Michael Cerimi of Bleacher Nation. And they're talking about his article on improving the television broadcast for marquee sports network hope he doesn't have anything bad to say about us at 670 the score don't forget to listen download review and subscribe to the fly the w podcast
2: joining me now on the fly the w podcast i have michael cerami from bleacher nation michael how you doing today buddy pretty
0: good thanks for having
2: me on yeah the reason i have you on i mean obviously i follow you and the guys over at bleacher nation and you just had an article that came out the other day that uh, I, i thought our listeners would find interesting it was called the marquee you said I want to talk about Cubs TV broadcast And you know I you know you kind of lead off with the outside the Ivy. I remember that great show with uh, Luis Medina and my buddy Danny Rocket. but you were just kind of trying to you know tell people, hey you know it's there's certain things that you would maybe look at changing with the broadcast, but you, the amount of respect that you have for people that are doing the broadcast right now.
0: Yeah, so I mean, before we even get into any of the like constructive criticisms, I am gonna say off the top, but I get in the article, I there's a ton of talented people there. Everyone there's honestly, I, I genuinely truly think they're great. Um, a lot of smart baseball people, a lot of good ideas, um, and even more to the point, the whatever it takes to, you know, produce a broadcast of a major league baseball game I I don't know what goes into that so a lot of times you know I'm I'm sensitive to criticizing others even constructively because I know that when I get criticism on stuff I do people don't always have the full story and a lot of times there's reasons for things being the way that they are that are out of the control of the people that you're actually directing your criticism towards so I wanted to be like really clear that one you know, I've been criticized in this way before and I didn't think it was fair, so I'm gonna to try to do it a little bit differently. Um, and two, everyone there is doing great. And this is not supposed to be like I know some people probably would have wanted it to be, like a call out of any one person there, because it's not how it works. Um, but with that said, you know, like you, I watch a lot of Cubs games on TV and I listen to a lot of Marquee and watch a lot of Marquee sports network broadcasts because of that. And there are things that I know I felt when I was watching the broadcast that I was like, there's no way I'm alone in not liking this or not liking this or wanting more of this and less of this, you know? Um, so I kind of decided finally to put it all together into one place. Uh, and, and, and you know what, I'll add even one more, one more caveat is that maybe some of these things would have been unfair to say uh, about Marquis one year or two years into their existence or, on game three of the season, but we're solidly into the season and solidly into the existence of Marquis. So they've had time to get their feet underneath them. Um, They've been somewhat receptive to constructive criticism in the past. They're not wearing ties anymore in the booth, right? That was a little one. (laughs) It's a little win for everybody. Uh, And so I I thought I'd put it together. So, um, I mean, was there something that like stood out? in particular to you or
2: well, when I look at the first section and, and you wrote baseball is regional, it's okay to act like that. Tell our listeners what you meant by that.
0: Oh, sure. So this is like something I've been hammering for a long time. When you watch a, the people that watch football games are national football fans. Um, they are on national, often on national broadcast. And you have reasons to watch other teams There's so many fewer games. Um, and they're all primetime events for the most part. Um, that's just an example. Baseball is not like that Baseball is a regional sport. it's very very regional. Uh, I'm a hardcore baseball fan and I barely watch non-cubs games live. you know I, I keep up with everything of course because I'm interested but and I do watch some other games but it's I watch more non-bears games on a relative, Basis than I watch non Cubs games on a relative basis. There's 162 Cubs games to keep up with. You know, I'm not going to watch all of the Los Angeles Angels. Like, no matter what, it's just not going to happen. And so, when you're talking about a regional sports network producing a broadcast for a regional sport whose viewers are almost exclusively going to be Cubs fans, I don't think there's any reason to strive. For the national level of balance and unbiasedness and and uh, mediation that you see on national football uh, broadcasts, which which does make sense in those scenarios because they have a lot more fans that are from all over the country or watching from both sides of the competition. So this is a Cubs broadcast. You know, I'm not interested in like the extreme Hawk Harrelson level homerism. That's I don't need that, but I do need. For you to be a little bit frustrated when I'm a little bit frustrated, or at a minimum, when there is something frustrating going on, you just, you cannot turn to one of your pre-packaged lighthearted pieces of content that get dis- t- displayed when I'm like, I am stressed out right now because the Cardinals are kicking the Cubs butts and I had to watch about like, you know, um, whatever, whatever fake someone's shoe color that is like really cool. These cleats are awesome. They're orange. It's like, geez, like it's the wrong time. We don't need that. We're not, like, catered a little bit to the Cubs fans watching the game. That was and, that and, section.
2: And, and I think when you, you, you know, I'm a little bit older than Mike you, Michael. I'm not going to say by how much, but a little bit. And that's all I'm going to say. But I grew up in the era of Harry Carey, you know, where, where, you know, he just had an excitement and a love for the team. And then from Harry Carey, you know, also in the radio booth, the Pat and Ron show. And if you remember, you know, you'd be sitting in the car. And if you got in the car and you hadn't known anything about the games, right, this pre-cell phone era, you could tell how the Cubs were doing by the tone of Ron Santos' voice. And and, and you kind of love that. And I think all of us kind of, you know, grew up. And then you mentioned Len Casper with the voice crack and as he gets excited with a, with a home run, you know, and I, I kind of agree with you on that point. And even with Len to a degree, all of a sudden I started to notice he was getting more and more kind of nationally sounding, you know, like. About how great Trevor Bauer is. No, I don't want to hear about how great anyone on the other team is. I don't care about Joey Votto. I don't care about uh, uh, Trevor Bauer. I don't care about these guys. You know, if you got the occasional story, fine. Tell me about the Cubs and tell me, you know, why you're, you know, what's going on. And as far as the Cubs are concerned, those type of things to me make a lot more of a difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, if Mike Trout or Shohei Otani are pitching at Wrigley uh, against the Cubs, all right, we could talk about them. You know, like, fine. But yeah, I certainly don't need uh, world baseball classic profiles and I don't need, I really don't need anything positive about the other team. Um, there's other broadcasts that do that. And more importantly, you know, Marquis has so many great writers and video personalities and an entire website and an entire TV channel to dedicate to some of these other interesting stories and to complement what your overall viewing experience is. If that's Stuff they want to continue producing, which, again, I think they do a great job in isolation. Those things are good. If people want to seek that stuff out, there's a million ways to reach them. It doesn't need to be sort of shoehorned into the game broadcast when there's actual, again, stakes for the first time in you know Cubs baseball for like four years, right? Like this right. is an important game, an important moment. I want to focus on it.
2: You you can you can put that stuff on the app. You can put it on the YouTube channel. You can put it on the social media channel. There's plenty of avenues for that type of stuff, and and, and I kind of agree with you every there. You also kind of are writing a little bit about a little less production. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, we're all kind of getting used to the pitch clock and the time and and the pace of play being much more increased than we're used to. And I talked to a lot of the minor league guys, whether it's Alex Cohen or Mick Gillespie, Brendan and uh, Brendan King and Max Toma and Sam Wiederhoff, And I, and I asked them because they have been, you know, they have already been through the pitch clock, you know, how different is it to broadcast when you have less time than you're used to, you know, you're cutting half an hour off the game times is what they're looking at. And I remember a couple guys just saying, look, find your best stuff and, and, you know, cut it down and condense it and get it in at the right time because it is different. And I'm wondering how much of a problem that is for them, especially this year.
0: Yeah. Well, so the pitch clock is a great point. So it kind of hits in two different ways. First, there's less downtime than ever before. So there's less of a need to fill the gaps. Um, and, that's a good thing, and, 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 the, and the, the in addition to that, um, if you maintain the same level of like, pre-produced interviews or pre-packaged content or on-field interviews or any of that stuff, but the game is shortened by 30 minutes, the overall proportion of those produ- overly produced packages, not overly produced, overly delivered, wonderfully produced packages, it takes up a bigger proportion or a bigger portion of the game itself. So they need to adjust accordingly, even to get back to the baseline level that we've seen last year, and then from there we can decide if there's even more to go to strip away from the from the broadcast um, to focus more on the game itself. Um, we, listen when the when these baseball I get it when these baseball games were four hours long, three hours, three and a half hours long. Yeah, it probably isn't. And when the team is not doing good, it's probably a little difficult to focus on the play-by-play. I understand that, but it's not like that anymore. The Cubs are trying to win right now, and there is a pitch clock, and the games are shorter. We need to get back to business and uh, you know the business of competing and identifying um, the sort of things that people want to hear about when the the priority is winning.
2: And 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 you know when you say actually less is more, you know the, this series we've had a three-man booth and. It is nice sometimes to have different voices on there, but I've never been a big fan of the three man booth myself
0: yeah, I mean, so sometimes there's a three man booth and then also Taylor or Elise on the field and so you have four people talking at once, none of whom are describing what's going on in the game because usually when the three when the four of them are in that sort of round table conversation it's it's you know um, explicitly because they're not talking about something that's going on in the game. If it was something that's going on in the game, it'd be Boog calling it and JD adding color, right? So I don't mind in general the rotating path of announcers, of broadcasters. I think that's fun in its own right. I, under, I would understand the opposite opinion there. But, you know, when they go to the West Coast and every now and then you get to listen to Rick Sutcliffe, okay, cool, whatever, um, that's fun. But limiting it to two in the booth and one on the field uh is probably the way to go. You can have your different cast but let's limit the actual volume uh to something more to something less distracting audibly. Um and again, uh, you know, I used Danny Rocket's tweet it, even visibly because there was a point where there's like split screen with three guys in a booth, uh the game in the corner, a a a, a game bug on top of that, dead green space on the top and the bottom and multiple marquee logos. It's like what am I even looking at right now, like this is, this is just not, again, everyone's different, but it's not catering to me as a baseball fan, what I want to see in a particular moment. So.
2: No, I hear exactly what you're saying at this point. And that's where you kind of, you know, like you said, a little bit too much going on and then focusing more on the play by play. So as far as the play by play is concerned, you're ending up looking at this and, and saying to yourself, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who works in education. And so sometimes I always enjoy kind of like grading papers and just kind of not focusing on what's going on at the TV at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that was a big,
0: the, the big distinction there is it, it does not need to be like it is on the radio when you're listening on the radio, there's not any visual cues. So I'm not looking for, you know, that one was high and inside and that's ball two, And now the ball is getting thrown back to the pitcher and he's walking around the mountain. Like you don't have to paint it for me, but we got to call the every play. I need to know what's going on in the game. I need to be able to walk into the kitchen and still not be completely disconnected. Um, and you know, here's, here's another truth about baseball. There's so many games. Um, baseball can be a really awesome background thing to have on your TV, right? Like it doesn't need to be the primary thing you're focusing on, um, all the time, but, you're only able to accomplish that if the audio that you could still hear without your eyes being fixated on the screen is what's actually happening. And when the conversations drift away, not even into those produced packages, but away from the game itself and just into whatever conversation the guys in the booth are having, there can be uh, multiple plays or half innings going by before they even get back to the actual action on the field. And so I think my most scathing line in that entire piece was just like, if you closed your eyes and listened to a marquee broadcast of of the game, you genuinely might not have a good sense of what was going on from one inning to the next. Um, It it just doesn't always accomplish what I think is supposed to be the, the writ for um, a play-by-play announcer and the cover man that, that is next to him. And and I'm going to, I'm going to be long winded for a second. I think Boo, calls games well when he focuses on it. And I think JD has a ton to offer. I love the stuff he adds. I just want what he's adding to be relevant to the exact moment of the game that we're in. So I don't want to talk about how many triples Joe Girardi hit in his career. If it wasn't immediately after a catcher hitting a triple or something along those lines, you know what I mean? Like make it about what's going on, not just something you find theoretically interesting in some other format um so that was kind of the the it feels like a podcast attendant to a cubs game comment um which you know i've i've heard other people say too so i'm not yeah uh, like, claiming all credit of that one but.
2: you you know when i get home because my wife is very patient with me and allows me to do things that most husbands aren't allowed to do you know like sometimes i got to do the dishes and all that kind of stuff and it's nice to have the tv on and then i wash the dishes and then something's going on then i want to kind of go over, back over to the tv and this that so like you say just Kind of letting me kind of, you know, know what's going on. Now, as you know, tomorrow night, the Cubs are going to be playing the Twins. And it is going to be on Apple TV. It will not be on marquee. And one of the big things, man, we, we're we living in, in an era right now where, I mean, TVs are so clear. It's funny when you watch the old games on marquee and you're like, oh, my God, my eyes hurt. This is, this is awful. And when you see that crystal clear picture um, on Apple TV, it just makes a world of difference.
0: Yeah, well, so Apple TV especially, I think they actually broadcast in 4K if your TV can handle it and internet. internet. Um, but even, again, if, if you have an MLB.TV subscription and you're out of network, so you're streaming the exact same broadcast that Marquee physically delivers, um, it's 1080p, which is high definition to all of our eyes. And uh, by contrast, if you're streaming on the Marquee, app within uh chicago or in the market um because you have a cable subscription but you prefer to stream which is what i do um like be- again if you have different rooms in your house and you want to watch a game but you have one cable box let's say it's 720p and the good news is i have I've, i did confirm that it is 720p so we're not all crazy um it does look worse than it should the cubs or marquee i should say is aware of it is aware that it's like not ideal. They don't think that that's what they should be delivering, um, and they're actually like in the process of working out the technical details of uh, upgrading that to 1080, and that should happen this season. Um, I'm not like breaking any news there. That's just what they told me, and I think that's been out there. They're working on it. It's it's like an issue with, um, uh, you know, actual like like technical aspects of streaming over an app, which I think they were just generally new to. So they had to get those bugs out and they're aware of it. And again, it should be, it's supposed to be fixed this season is what I was told. So, you know, fingers crossed for that, because I mean, listen, I'm not trying to be a snob, but after watching 1080 sports or 4k on Apple TV, uh, going back to 720 is it's, it's brutal. I mean, it, it does not look good.
2: So. Right, it's, it, it's like going from PS Five to Atari Twenty Six Hundred. It's 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 uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a noticeable difference, man. And then the final thing I wanted to touch on on your article is 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 the thing that we've all been pounding and hounding and and yelling about ever since you know the idea of marquee even came around. Or that is that a standalone marquee streaming service? Uh, HBO has one. You know, all, Netflix has one. You when you when you take a look at the list of of just how people consume media nowadays i mean my brother is in colorado you know and and, you know he wouldn't be able to get all the stuff i like marquee content i like the fact i like a lot of the documentaries i like um a lot of the old games that they play on there and so if you are somebody that somehow can get the app then but you can't get all the other stuff you can just get the game you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah so that the good
0: news on that front um which is also in the article Um, and and not anything I was told just has been public information. I think Crane Kenny spoke about it a couple of times is that is another thing they're actively working on and like intend to deliver sooner than later. So there is going to be a standalone marquee app that will allow you to subscribe the way you subscribe to Netflix or HBO max or Hulu, any of those things Um, you could pay for just that. uh, And you will be able to watch, the games, um, and again, I theoretically in 1080p. So I think, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen in a month, in three months, but I would be very confident saying that ne- this time next season, at the beginning of the season, we are all going to have the option to stream the games um, without a cable subscription on a standalone marquee uh, app. Which is, again, if they do that, then they've made a huge step forward in delivering a better product to Cubs fans because that is just a must. Um, There's a lot of overlapping issues there with in market streaming and the rights that MLB owns versus the rights the teams own and the ability to rake in big dollars on cable deals when you are otherwise offering the package as a standalone. So that might hurt the Cubs financially in the short term, but it is without a doubt a better long-term financial decision um, and it is what everyone wants. You cannot be alienating people from watching your product, um, and I have a ton of friends. A lot of people my age are cord cutters. I have cable exclusively to watch the Cubs. I do not use it any other time, and I have to pay a full cable package because you can't buy just one channel um, to do for that privilege, and that stinks. So it's on Comcast or Xfinity or RCN, they're going to be pissed to hear it, but... As soon as that becomes available, I'm canceling my cable subscription, I'm gonna subscribe to Marquee and I'll save a bunch of money every month getting the exact thing I actually want. It's 2023, you have to have that as an option.
2: Well, not only not only that, Michael, but the hope is, is that anybody can watch it anywhere because of the WGN Superstation in the 80s and even into the 90s. It, it allowed people that didn't have access to baseball teams to fall in love with the Cubs. And so whenever you see the Cubs away games or whatever, you always see plenty of Cub fans in the stands. And so in that regard there... It, it, it was a huge, it, it helped them financially to be able to do that, right? And so what you worry about is there's going to be a generation, like my nephew lives out in Colorado and my my brother doesn't have the MLB package. You know, he just wants to watch the Cubs. And so, you know, there's a generation that you could potentially be losing of fans all over this country that want to watch marquee and marquee content and Cubs games, obviously, more than anything. Yeah. And, you
0: know, for what it's worth, there, there has been, some positive signs in the general sports industry. This Brett is the guy to talk to about this stuff because he nerds out about it and is really <laughs> good about it. But, um, there are a couple teams, I think there was one or two NBA teams that are, um, starting to broadcast their, uh, or make available their broadcast for free. Um, having made the determination that expanding your fan base will pay off in the long run, and it's like, yeah, duh, like everybody knows that, you know what I mean? Like, If The fact that you would – it's listen, it always comes back to this idea of sacrificing short-term dollars, and no one's ever willing to do that. But the long-term best uh, option for all of these industries is to give people what they want, allow them to engage with your team. And they are going to buy gear, and they're going to buy tickets, and they're going to read your articles where there's ads being served, and they're going to watch your – Broadcast where there's commercials still being played where you still can get paid by the increase in eyes and so um stuff like that is going to keep happening and is like these all of these um Sinclair regional sports networks folding and MLB sort of taking those all in one place it's going to be a turbulent few years but I don't I think 10 years from now the entire way we interact with watching our favorite sports teams play is going to be just completely different than it is now we are at this like We're already past the end, in my opinion, of like the big cable subscription model. The Dodgers and the Phillies got like the last big giant mega deals. Obviously, the Cubs struggled to do that. We're in this weird hybrid mode where there's like some streaming options, but you might need a subscription, but you might need a cable deal, but and so on. We are transitioning out of that. It's just the beginning. And eventually, there's going to be this realization that. The world is not the way it was, and you need to be able to give people what they want when they want it, and they are willing to pay for it. Um, it, it I mean, listen, it's the same thing that happened with the music industry um, or even movies. Before you were able to stream and rent whatever you wanted from iTunes, um, people were torrenting and, and ripping music off of Napster at insane rates. Well, guess what? Now there's Spotify, and you know what everyone does? Pays $4.99 a month or whatever it is to listen to whatever song they want. No one's on Napster anymore. People are not doing that because you gave people a legal, reasonable option to get the stuff the way that they actually wanted to get it. So that's the kind of like fundamental principles that uh, everyone in these positions of power needs to, to reckon with. And I think, again, I think we are closely
2: approaching that, uh, that moment. And that's going to be good for all of us. And everything that that this whole year is about with the rules changes is about growing the game and what better way to grow the game than to allow people to actually watch the game. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the most simplest thing you could do to, you know uh, my dad grew up in an era where baseball was number one and there wasn't anything close to it. And and for me, when I was growing up, it was baseball and football were kind of on equal footing. And now, you know, football and basketball have kind of left baseball behind. And if baseball has any, any inkling of trying to, get back into that national spotlight these changes need to be made yeah no question about it and you know i'll give you one
0: other example is and they've gotten a lot better about it um you remember because you were there like six seven eight years ago when we would want to share highlights or clips from cubs games we would get slapped on the wrist all the time uh by mlb or the cubs or whomever and it's like hold on a second I am here taking your product and sh- sh- literally advertising it for you to the world by saying, look at how amazing this is, and you're gonna stop me from doing it? Like like Rob Friedman, Pitching Ninja, was banned for a couple months. And it was like, it, he does more good for your brand than any of your content creators can. And they realize that eventually, and they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You guys can share highlights, like on social media and stuff. It's like, yes, we're literally doing your job for you. Um, it's not that we don't benefit in the process, but not in the long-term way that you certainly are. You should want everyone to be able to interact with, share and enjoy your product as much as possible. It will lead to dollars in the long-term. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not naive. I know that that's the point. They're a business. That's cool. Make your money, but have some long-term, you know, sense about what you're actually doing by sacrificing whatever value you might get in the short term uh, for the long term.
2: Well, Michael, I appreciate you jumping on here. And for people that are interested, again, the article's up on Bleacher Nation and, and I encourage everyone to kind of take a look at it. And, and again, I think you did it in a way that was positive and, but, but also with some really helpful suggestions that hopefully people at the top are looking at. And I'm sure cup fans everywhere, when they read this article will be kind of nodding their heads. Michael, where can they find, where can our uh, listeners find you on social media?
0: Uh, so you could find me at Michael underscore Cerami um, on Twitter and then uh, also at Bleacher Nation, uh, the website, and that's also our handle at on Twitter at Bleacher Nation. So please do follow us uh, there, uh, like us on Facebook, all the good stuff. But, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, and BleacherNation.com.
2: Michael, thank you, and I hope to see you at a game soon, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Good to talk to you. Take care, buddy.
1: All right, Crowley, great job with the interview. It's Segment 3, it's Season 2, it's Episode 35 of the Fly the W670 podcast. Cubs stall versus the Cardinals, and the Cubs, Crowley, have moved north. They're up in Minneapolis to spend the weekend taking on the Twins. We're going to get to that in a few minutes, and it's the start of a nine-game road trip. Let's talk about the roster, the setup, as the Cubs hit the road for nine on the road.
2: Yep. Before the game on Monday, Nelson Velasquez was optioned to Iowa and Christopher Morell was brought up to Chicago in a move that nobody saw coming. Ross was asked about morell and how he would be used. He said, I don't know that there's this big path for every day at bats. The ability to get Velasquez back to AAA and not let him sit on the bench and some ability to mix in morell in, t- in time to time is probably going to be more of a role than just every day at bats. Now, he says that before the injury to uh, Nico Horner, but... You know, it's one of those things that had me worried is what I told you about is Velasquez is sitting there rotten on the bench, so they, they're they going to send him to AAA to try to get some playing times. I'm just worried Morrell is going to be sitting there rotten on the bench now too, and it just throw these guys off so bad because it's really hard to come back and just jump in the middle and start hitting.
1: They made the right move with Velasquez, I think, and we'll see. I mean, they get a day off today. Let's see what... I think if Christopher Morrell is getting one out of every three games off and then a pinch hitting roll, I think that's okay.
2: We'll see what happens before the game on Wednesday, Jan Gomes was activated off the concussion protocol and Miguel Amaya was sent to AAA. Remember when Amaya was called up, he was a AA. So even though it's a demotion, it's kind of a promotion because he's now moved on to AAA, which, you know, Amaya opened a lot of eyes with his maturity, uh, the way he handled the pitchers, Hayden Wesniski spoke, highly of, of the game that Amaya called, said he'd never shook him off, just let him call the game. And so I think, you know, it, it's never been a question of talent with Amaya. It's just a question of can the guy stay healthy? And if he is, then then he comes back to looking like the heir apparent to Wilson Contreras.
1: Yep. He was uh, pretty impressive when he was up here, but this again is the right move. I would rather have Amaya catching every four, four or five days a week than maybe catching once a week up here and, and with the other guys up here, he's not going to get any pinch hit opportunities either.
2: And you saw what a different, I mean, I don't see you saw a difference, but I mean, it just, like you talked about earlier, if you were to talk about the month of April, there's an argument to be made that Jan Gomes is was the MVP of April. Oh, and...
1: right. We had this argument today on the air. Molly likes to, you know, bust my backside about it. Jan Gomes is the Cubs MVP so far. Dansby Swanson is a better player than Jan Gomes is. But right now, Jan Gomes is the MVP of the Cubs. Listen, I hope we get to a situation where Dansby Swanson's in the National League MVP race. And if that's the case, that means the Cubs are winning and Jan Gomes is still going. And I'll still say that Jan Gomes was more important in the Cubs than Dansby Swanson
2: in the month of April. And I get both sides
1: In the month of April, and if they end up doing something good, that month of April is going to be a big part of where they got to where they got to.
2: Right. And and so when we look at the injury report, talked about Nico Horner. He left Monday's game with hamstring tightness while running to third on Dance v. Swanson's double. An MRI showed a mild left hamstring strain. He's not going on the IL. He's day-to-day. I saw some video on Marquis the other day of him stretching, doing a drill. He drills with the training staff. So that's exciting news. I'd be he, shocked
1: if he didn't play up in Minnesota, Crawley. Shocked.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Yeah, I think they're not going to rush it. There's no need to with, with Morrell up now, but let's see what happens. Um, you want to get you ready for some guy to come up pretty soon, sooner rather than later. Get ready for Kyle Hendricks. He came to Chicago to work on some things with pitching coach Tommy Haddavy. And when he returned to Iowa, he had his best start throwing five shutout innings, striking out four, and walking nobody. He gave up two hits, one of them a cheap loop single. His next start is Sunday. But I'm telling you right now, Dustin, and I'm just looking at the calendar. As somebody that didn't think it was possible for her. Uh, Hendricks to be back. I could see him potentially starting that next homestand against the Mets. Yeah. Okay.
1: I I can, yeah, I can live with that. Mm -hmm.
2: Now, another guy in Iowa, along with Kyle Hendricks is Cody Hewer. He only pitched two thirds of an inning on the same day that Hendricks had that start, but he got two strikeouts and a walk as he recovers from Tommy John surgery. Now, keep in mind, he's a lot further away than Kyle is at least at least another couple months. But, Dustin, j- coming out on, on his second rehab start, he was hitting 98.8 miles per hour on the gun. That's exciting.
1: It's absolutely exciting.
2: So for people that thought the Cubs got fleeced on the Craig Kimbrell trade, uh, that, that, that's not done yet. Let's not, let's not proclaim that that, that that was a flop. Hey, see, I,
1: I, don't, I don't know how you could say they got fleeced. I mean, Nick Madrigal's been okay.
2: He was terrible. He, he was absolutely terrible for the White Sox. Absolutely. And, and so I just know people that complained about the trade and to me, I felt that Cody Hewer was the better piece than Nick Magical of the two pieces. I was more excited about Cody Hewer, and I can see him being a potential closer. If you, you know, you, if you get a guy in July or August, that's hitting hundred miles per hour. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Brandon Hughes. I can't through, wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Brandon Hughes threw a 32-pitch uh, uh, bullpen the other day. He felt good. The Cubs are monitoring how he feels afterwards. He's going to have to wear a brace on that knee, but uh, you know, I, I, hopefully we get a lefty back in the pen as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, that's important. There's no doubt about that, and with or without the brace, no problem. You know, Carlos Correa is on his third team now. That's the Twins. First he was with the Giants, then he was a Met, now he's a twin, and he's got the fans in Minneapolis booing him, Crowley, and the Cubs are going up there for a three-game series starting on Friday.
2: Yeah, last season, the the Twins struggled. They finished third in the AL Central with a record of 78-84. and Cubs did not play the Twins last season. The last time they played them was in 2021. Uh, the Cubs have played the twins 37 times since the league started. And they have a record of 20 and 17 against them. The twins made a lot of changes in the offseason. Like you said, Carlos Correa bounced around and he ended right back up with the twins. Uh, they got right-hander Pablo Lopez catcher, Christian Vasquez outfielder, Joey Gallo infielder, Kyle farmer outfielder, Michael Taylor. They had a couple of big losses though. Uh, we know Luis Arias. We had, we, we've seen the damage that guy does. And then at third base, Gio Urshela. So, uh, but but they they have a pretty good team right now. When we look at the standings and we look at how the Cubs are doing right now, you you talk about how competitive the Cubs are in this division. They're two and a half games back from first place. As you see, the Pirates just continue their free fall. They're still in first place, 21 and 17. Milwaukee at 20 17, and the Cubs right below 500, one game 18 and 19. So hoping that the Cubs can you know get on a winning path. What I worry about, Dustin, is there's some good teams coming up, and they did not take the opportunity they had against Washington, Miami, and a surprisingly weak Cardinals team.
1: Yeah, there are some uh, teams that are better than the Cubs on paper anyway coming up. But, hey, let's focus right now on the Twins. Um, I, I, I like this matchup. I think the Cubs can go up there and take two out of three, especially if Nico Horner's coming back and playing like he's played so far.
2: Well, the Twins just finished up a series against San Diego on Thursday. They're winning they won two of three in that series. They're in the AL Central. They're twenty-one and seventeen, uh, ahead of they're in first place, ahead of Detroit, Cleveland, and the White Sox, all who have losing records, Oof, along with Kansas City. Yeah, guess, yeah. And so, you know, it'll it'll be interesting when we look at the pitching probables. I just want to remind our listeners that game one will be on Apple TV. It will not be on marquee. So if you're kind of flipping around the stations and you're saying, where are the Cubs at? They are not going to be playing that one on marquee. So, and again, it's not free this year. Last year they did it to kind of, kind of entice some fans. It is a really good quality picture, and, and I like it a lot. But, you know, if you don't have Apple TV, you're out of luck here. 670 the score, Crowley. Listen to the Hall of Famer, Pat Hughes. Pat and Ron and Zach. Uh, Drew Smiley is starting game one versus Sonny Gray. Drew Smiley at 3-1, ERA. He was pitching really good, but his last start against Miami at home, eh, not so much. That was the one where he had to grind through it. He had 3.1 innings, three hits, two earned runs. He had three walks and five Ks, but but not not... We, as good as he had been like against Washington where he went seven innings and gave up one run or San Diego where he went five innings and gave up two runs. So hopefully he kind of has a, a good start. You know, I've, I've been impressed for the most part with what I've seen, but uh, you know, the last one just, he didn't have it, you know?
1: Yeah. He didn't look as sharp as he's looked, but uh, I, I still, you know, even though Sonny Grace 4-0, with a 3 5 ERA, I, I like the Cubs chances.
2: Yeah, how about Sonny Gray? Kind of a guy that you almost forgot about a little bit. He's he's kind of having a really good season over in uh, Minneapolis, 4-0, 135 ERA. Uh, you know, in his last game against Cleveland, though, he didn't look so good, just like Drew Smiley. He went five innings, gave up four hits, three runs. He also gave up three walks, but he also has a lot of strikeouts with six strikeouts. So before that against KC, he went uh, six innings and gave up one run, but kind of beating KC is kind of like beating Oakland, you know what I mean? Yep. But he d- dominated the Yankees. He went seven innings pitched. He only gave up three hits and zero runs. So, Cubs are going to have their work cut out for him against uh, Sonny Gray. Now, the interesting thing to me though is is with these different teams, they haven't fa- they haven't faced each other a lot. So there's not a ton of um, numbers that the guys have against each other. So when we talk about Smiley, and we talk about Drew Gray. Uh, as far as Minnesota. Kyle Farmer seen Smiley 11 times and has a 273 batting average and Solano at first base, 333 at 12 at bats. So those are the only two guys that really have real numbers. Correa has eight at bats and only hits 125. Uh, The twins have seen Smiley a little bit more. You have Jan Gomes, 14 at bats, 143, but Ian Happ, 400 against him and 10 at bats. And, how about Trey Mancini, four sixty-seven and fifteen at bats? So that's that's good on that well, one, we right? Better,
1: we better we better see Trey Mancini then.
2: So you you know DH and that's what I want to see. I want to see Mancini DH and that would Mancini, make me happy.
1: Mancini DH and Mervis at first, right?
2: Absolutely, you gotta you gotta it's got a little tough stretch for Merv and he's gonna have to. But all right-handed the best.
1: pitching, or all right-handed starters, so that plays into him, right?
2: Right, right, right. And so the next game that we take a look at is uh, Hayden Wesniski three and one with the three ninety three versus Joe Ryan. If you remember the last game for Hayden, I, I felt that that was his strongest game so far this year. I really felt that the slider was clicking. I, I thought it was, you know, just really what it was what I wanted to see. You know, against Miami, he went six innings pitch gave up five hits and one run. and and against Washington, six innings pitch, five hits, one run. And then against San Diego, five hits, five innings, four hits, one run. So in his last three starts, he hasn't given up more than one run. So hoping that Hayden is really starting to get dialed in, right?
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: th- he's, he was okay,
1: right? He was okay in the last start. Um, yeah, th- he was okay. The, I, I, I thought I I'm most worried start. about the guy. I'm most worried about right now is Tyone, and he's not going in the series, so.
2: Makes sense. Joe Ryan is going to be on the bump for the Twins. The last game he had about six innings pitched, gave up eight hits, two earned runs against the White Sox. Six innings pitched, gave up zero earned runs, and against the Yankees, seven innings pitched, one earned runs. If you take a look at both of these teams, the Cubs and the White Sox, you sound pretty confident. My concern a little bit is there are two teams that kind of mirror each other a little bit where starting pitching really seems to be what's – the strong point of both of these teams. and hitting wise, I think the Cubs have have been hitting better just with worse luck as far as runners in scoring position. But I think you know that that's you know that's going to be the difference. Now, no one has really seen niski other than Kyle Farmer five times and Solano uh, first baseman five times. As far as the as far as the Cubs facing Ryan, Barnhart seen him five times and and has a 400 average and wisdom seen him four times and he hasn't gotten a hit. So that might be a good morale start.
1: You got Daniel Ross's number. We'll text him.
2: uh, You got that number. I don't have that one now. (laughs) Game, game three, Marcus Strowman two and three, 228 versus Louis Verland. Oh, for Oh, with the four thirty two average. We've talked about the, the Stroh show in a way he's kind of, and and you know he's he's absolutely fine with it, but he's just a little bit overlooked right now because of yeah the because fact because that, of
1: how great Justin Steele's been sure absolutely. yeah he,
2: but he has been you know just he's been as, almost almost as good. The problem is when you good. look at
1: two and three, you think, well,
2: what's going on with that? Right, and that's where you get fooled on that. He gave up, he went six innings and gave up two runs. He just throws quality sorry, starts. It's almost sorry like sorry, I let you down there, buddy. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a uh, six innings pitch against Washington. He gave up one run Miami 6.1 inning. He gave up two runs. So the guy's not giving up more than two runs anywhere he goes. So if you look at the, the, the starters that you have going other than that uh, last time out for smiley, you know, you can't ask for, you know, I mean, this is obviously you could ask for Justin Steele, but you're, you're looking at a team that really is going to be throwing three good starters against Minnesota. And I don't think that Minnesota can say the same thing in my opinion. No,
1: that's why, Crowley, when we get into the prediction time, uh, I'm going to have the Cubs winning the series, but we're not there yet. Let's uh, do a little uh, hot knot.
2: All righty, let's talk about who's hot for the Cubs and who's not. Who's hot? Dansby Swanson. Last 26 at-bats, eight hits, five doubles, uh, one home run, and six RBIs. So looking really good with a 308 average. Ian Happ on fire, and that guy's just an on-base machine. He's hitting 304s. on bases 448, and his slugging's 478. He has one of the highest OBP's in all of baseball. He's taking his walks, and 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 that's a good thing. As far as the knot, uh, Seiya Suzuki, we talked about a little bit earlier. He's getting better. He's warming up. He's at 222, which isn't awful. 333, 278 slug. Matt Mervis, as you heard Carter Hawkins talk a little bit about it, struggling. He's had at 21 at bats right now. He ha- he's only he's had. Uh, Four hits. He's had two RBIs, but in 21 at-bats, that takes you down. That's a 190 average, 227, 190 slug. So, Mervis, we're just going to have to be patient, and it's those growing pains that come with being a young guy um, in, in the major leagues.
1: Yeah, he's pressing a little bit, swinging at stuff that he should not be swinging at. There's no doubt about that. How about uh, we don't have any hot twins and we talked about. Carlos Correa <laughs> is definitely on the knot
2: yeah i was struggling i mean other like i said when you when you look at pitching i think the pitching is what's hot for the twins and they're going to have two really hot starters going but as far as the hitters concerned their everyday players they're they're, their best everyday player right now jose miranda's hitting 214 in the last week so that's where our cold was is their hot hitter right now and it gets even worse when you think about correa in his last 20 at bats dustin he has two hits that's a 100 average for those of you scoring at home, 167 on base and a .091 slug. Byron Buxton, who is, you know, a DH, he's he's not hitting anything. He's got one hit in his last 17, or I'm sorry, zero hits in his last 17 at bat. So he he's still at zero, scares 0 me. 0 he,
1: he, he still scares me. I wouldn't get too cute with him because he can, he can turn a game around quickly.
2: No doubt, but as of right now, that's not what happened. So that's who we got for hot and not. All right,
1: prediction time Crowley. I will go first. I'm being optimistic here. I say the Cubs take uh, two out of three. My prediction is uh, uh, both Friday and on Sunday are the Cubs wins and I think uh, Saturday would be close. It would not knock my socks off if when we're talking uh, Sunday or Monday if the uh, Cubs have not swept the Twins.
2: I I will agree with everything that you said. I, I see the Cubs taking two of three. We all know what it's about. It's about that big clutch hit and just relaxing and having good approaches. And I think if they do that, the Cubs will be in good shape.
1: Crawley, have a heck of a weekend. Uh, Hopefully you're going to get to spend some time with your mom. Happy Mother's Day to your wife and all the moms listening to the Fly the W podcast. So that is a wrap, everybody. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W on Facebook. Instagram. Email us, fly the W670gmail.com, and now you can watch us on the YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, enjoy the weekend, and enjoy the Cubs.
2: You have a great weekend yourself, and it's time to tame the Twinkies. Go Cubs! It's all over.